0: What you are currently listening to is bonus content, and it will not affect the scheduling of your regular tabletop twat episodes. So, please sit back and enjoy. Christmas is over, everyone. Yeah, what a shame. It's all over. Oh dear. The Queen is dead. Hooray. Santa Claus is dead. And that's why we got James on here. Say hello, James. Hello. We've got Sean on here.
1: All
2: right
0: we got Peter on here. What's happening? And my name's Harrison Hunt. We're doing a bonus for you guys because we've been playing a game recently and obviously we wanted to get together and do uh, Raven Lord and our usual content, but we can't do that. It's hard to get people down for doing content. But what's going on with us? We've been playing uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess and we just wanted to give you a little bonus do a review of this because we, we've we uh, we've really been enjoying it and uh, we, yeah, we just wanted to give you the rundown. Rundown. <laughs> <laughs> that, that jingle was provided by Sean there. Um, so, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, what is it? Well, the back of the book describes it as weird fantasy role-playing, and it is an OSR game, so that is like kind of a uh, retro clone of AD&D, but with some things tweaked to make it playable. That is only the case for some games. In actual fact, OSR stands for Old School Revival, and it just means that it follows a kind of similar sets of rules but they can in fact be set in space or at world war Two, or in a submarine or anything like that bye and what kind of things specifically make it weird well i would say that it's kind of if you went when you read the rule book it's a lot of the rules are kind of taken straight from a d d but presented in a way that makes it actually digestible playable simple things like this but it doesn't seem weird when you read the book, other than the artwork and things like this. But when you read some of the modules, that's where it gets weird. Oh, yes. Because you got things like um, Blood in the Chocolate, right? Which is the adventure we played last night. And we'll get into our actual play experience in a bit. But Blood in the Chocolate is um, Willy Wonka, right? But it's everything is ramped up to 11. There's pygmies having sex. There's... Um, all of the chocolate is poisoned and has uh, D12 tables of effects Jeez. and weird shit that can happen to you. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on in all the adventures and. It, that that's the type of stuff you're dealing with yeah. there's another one um, which is Alice in Wonderland as well but where all of the rulers of the place are vampires and everything's laid out like a big chess board sounds awesome yeah, yeah and some of the magic books as well that are available for this are crazy there's one called Eldritch Cock right and it's, it's got a
1: <laughs>
0: yeah and it's all penis based magic but it's it's got a big um, like rooster on the front of the cover oh of course there's one called Vagina's a Magic which is based around uh, uh, well yeah yeah. Use your, your imagination. imagination. Exactly. Yeah, La- Lady Magic, and there's another one called She Bleeds, which is all about menstruation magic, I believe. Lovely. Good. See Good.
1: now, I know what some of you're thinking. If you've never heard of this, this I mean, sounds disgusting and and stupid. And we've already like raved on other things that contain in air quotes pornography, and about them being shit and immature. But but no, this isn't that.
0: It's it is actually quite quite mature in, in uh, a lot of the way it covers things. You know what I mean? And it's it's like a lot of it is it it doesn't necessarily go for shock value when you read the insides. I think that when you look at what it is, it's like holy shit, what is that? And then you go to read it and you're like, oh right.
2: I think you know what you're getting into with the fact that a rule book has an 18 plus on there. To be fair.
0: Exactly it's for adults it's not for it's not like you know when you play a Grand Theft Auto game and you you look at that and it's presented as a game for adults but really all of the humor is childish. This is presented as a game for adults and it plays and all the material is is adult in nature it's got adult themes and it's got adult um, kind of content in it. It's not like really childish humor like a lot of things we've reviewed on this um, podcast before.
1: No, it's actually, like, really sort of done in such a smart and tasteful way. Um, and it's like, there's loads of bits that they kind of, you know, when you're playing through it and then sort of something in adventure happens and it's written in there and then when it comes to, like, fruition, then it is really a massive shock to us. But then at the same time, it's awesome because it's done in such a way that doesn't make it just sort of misogynistic or gross just because it's misogynistic and gross. It actually... Hits you hard and makes you think, bloody hell, that's mental.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later because we're going to go through the adventures that we played and how we played it and stuff like that. But first of all, let's talk about the system and and I'll I'll go over a very quick brief of how it works because it's it's basically your classic D and D stuff, and I don't mean all of this five E bullshit. What I mean is it's your yeah, roll three d six for abilities pick your class you've got a bunch of saving throws like poison saving throws save versus magic save versus breath weapons that type of stuff but then you've got common activities now these are kind of like specialist skills like search for traps like climb sheer walls that type of thing um sneak attack but everyone can try to use them they'll be but most people will be shit at them Um, except you've got a class called the specialist now these basically replace the rogue except they can be a specialist in anything you don't have to be a rogue and that's what you played Sean and um, yeah this is basically how the game works in a nutshell it's it's very simple the magic is simple as well you know you get your spell slots and you can use a certain amount per day um, and the magic is like basically most of it's just a description isn't it it'll be like okay this does 1d6 or you can float for 60 feet for a minute, or whatever, and it's none of it's actually complicated at all. Some have a save, but it's just save versus magic.
2: Yeah, see so, you now, I, um, I played Cleric, and the spells are really, really easy to comprehend. They're explained really well in the rule book, and I had a lot of fun doing it, to be fair. The system is fantastic.
0: It's so easy, and that's basically, in a nutshell, how it works. But one of the coolest things that I really like about this is that There's other games that suggest these two things that I'm about to come up, but they're doing badly. And it's the investments, property, and finance thing. And also the hirelings. Like hirelings is really easy. Because you did it yesterday, Sean, in one of our games.
3: I did, yeah. Um, You just have a chart of all the different types of people that you'd want to hire. There's a long chart. You've got archers. You've got got peddlers. You've got mama jammers you got all of those people and it gives you a price in the city in the countryside all of this is really good it's really easy to reference as well and one of the best things about a book to be honest is that the item list is on the very front of the
0: book yes Yes, literally in the front cover so if you want to buy something there it is i love
1: that it's just such an easy um, amazing genius thing that they've decided to put into it and it does make the flow of the game awesome especially as all of us at the table thanks to Harrison for Christmas own the book itself the core book it's just so
0: user friendly isn't it like yesterday there was a point where Sean's character um, was going on and on about like how we need we need more guys for this mission we need more guys and I was just like I can't believe how simple this is in this game. Like, yeah, it's so easy. And Sean, just he, your character went up to the what we called the Adventurers Guild in town, and he just went, um, "Yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm looking for an archer." And then I was, and then I was just like, "You see this guy sitting in the corner fiddling with a bow?" And I was just like, "Right, go to page forty-seven. There's the list." And you just went, "Cool, I have to pay this guy one hundred and fifty gold to hire him for a month, right?" And he's like, "Right, you're mine now for a month. You must do what I say." And then the guy was just like, "Okay then, boss." then oh, oh, the good thing about this is you can roll up the stats like that and it's so easy, but I already had one prepared, thankfully, yeah. so I just gave one to you um, but yeah, the stats, you could literally roll them up in less than a minute
3: It's yeah, very similar to D&D in that sort of respect, isn't it? Really, it's like a really simple like the way you roll stats and stuff and the, like the, the whole D20 thing and uh, all of that, it's very similar to D&D but with like a couple of really cool n- non-fiddly changes
0: exactly and f- it's, everything makes it just, just like simple do you know what I mean? yeah, like uh,
3: how did people not think of encumbrance and stuff like that before?
0: oh yeah, the encumbrance is great because all yep. it is, is the, 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 the way encumbrance affects you in this is that if you have a, a certain level of points of encumbrance then it affects your character in certain ways, such as the amount of movement that you can make um, per day or per round in combat. And all it is is that if you have all the item slots are listed on the back of your sheet and once you go over a certain threshold, you get one point of encumbrance, you get two points of encumbrance, and if you're holding a massive item in your hand, that counts as a point, and that's it. That's all it is.
3: Why has nobody thought of this before? I
0: don't it's know. amazing. It's crazy. It's
1: also um, the way it's laid out is that you've got your item slots, and then right next to it on the right hand side is the encumbrance um, section. So it's literally, you can fill up your item slots as much as you like, but as soon as you get after five, when you go to six, there's next to it, and from six to ten means that's encumbered to, uh, to one or whatever, and so yeah, you just tick the them off. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: It's so good. And the character sheet is so intuitive. I've, I don't think I've seen a better one.
2: No, it's one of the, the nicest character sheets, the most easily laid out character sheets I've ever seen before. Yeah. And it makes everything so simplistic when you've got a nice character sheet to reference like that.
1: It's got a lot of content on it, and I just can't believe how kind of sparse it is, even though it has so much on it.
0: Yeah, it's like one of those ones where it's so, like, like you say, sparse, but with a lot of content, which sounds like it, it's contradictory, but it's like it's so well laid out that you know where everything is but you also have all of that nice meaty stuff that you want in a good fantasy rpg
3: yep. yeah definitely it's, it's it's streamlined but you don't feel like you're missing anything at all uh, no. like like uh, for example actually no i don't have an example sorry but like yeah it doesn't it just feels like a really good d20 system and you've got these uh, you got skills as well which are yeah it's like a wide range of skills and each skill has a D6 and um, so you can fill each dot of the D6 up and you get certain amount that you start with and there's different skills like bushcraft and all that and it's genius man you just got to roll under the number you have on that 6 and yeah yeah.
0: And, yeah and it makes it seem like because you're doing rolling a different dice for those how it feels like you're doing a specialist activity and as a result when you're the specialist it feels like oh you got to get the different dice out oh now we're doing something more Specialized, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's kind of cool the way that works, and it's like, for example, if if the cleric wanted to attempt it, it's gonna be bloody hard. But when you do it, it's kind of legendary because you're like, yeah, that's very hard to do, and it's usually only the specialists that can do them. And it also sorts out the problem of AD and D where specialists were or, or rogues, I should say, were overpowered because they're not in this. They do something that everyone else can't do. But the thing is is that they're not overpowered in the other ways.
3: They they're quite weak in fact actually I think yeah. uh, in terms of HP and stuff.
0: Yeah, but they've got these cool abilities that nobody else can do.
1: Yeah. I really enjoy the D6 aspect in those special skills because you know, most people start off with the one and then if you you have more or other classes, you can increase some of them. But, you know, there's no harm in trying, but the payoff, if you get that one, then you need a one to to hit it. Then, uh, then it's awesome. It's just like, well, I'll give it a shot, and oops, I fucked it, or oh my God, I miraculously made it. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel better, because if, uh, if that was all set in the D20 world, you know, the percentiles and everything like that, I think that's where it would be, become annoying. So yeah. they've really simplified like a really good aspect of it. Yeah. It
2: makes it feel different. Of course, and I think it's the fact that it gives everyone a a, set of, a base set of skills and it makes it unique or not unique it makes it unified towards everyone so everyone's got a 1 in 6 chance of at least pulling off a skill.
0: Yeah, yeah. The only one that you don't start with a 1 in is um sneak attack. Yeah, um, but you can you can put put dots in that if you're a specialist. Yeah. But the cool thing is is that that means that not every specialist is a sneak attack guy. It's like you or not all two, not every rogue is built the same, do you know what I mean? I
3: actually started my guy out as as trying to be that, but he turned into something different. It was quite cool. more
0: of like a um a kind of uh, like a hotshot money man, like property mogul type guy in the end. Yeah, he it? was. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And like, that's what that's what I really really enjoyed about this, the property and investment thing makes it so different and when I kind of because I knew we were only playing three sessions of this max I wanted to demo every part of the game for you so we did do um, XP and levelling up and property investment things like this the only thing we didn't get to was taxes but I don't think Mm. it really counted because you lived in your own city which which you did and I also did the whole game as kind of a sandbox too except for the first one but yeah, it was it was such a fun game, and uh, I guess there's there's a big section in the book that we didn't get to as well, which is maritime adventures. And there's they they've got incredibly detailed and cool rules for um, water adventures, just oh, all cool. stuff based around naval shit. And it's like it's so good.
2: It sounds like they've got every angle covered, really, with this book, haven't they? Yeah, well, because the system's so simple, it, it that with a book that thin and that cheap, they can
0: they can cover things it in a couple of pages. Yeah, you read the combat section, and it's like it's it's such a simple simple game, because uh, things like initiative, things like surprise uh, rounds, it's not hard in that game because it's a simple system where they cut out all the chaff and just stuck with what a fantasy RPG needs, not what uh, all these people like you know number crunchers, math finder players actually like put in their games. Yeah,
3: because often you get. Uh you read an RPG book. It's kind of a problem. Like I'd say with Pathfinder. Or I don't know. A Steve Jackson book maybe. Or Savage Worlds Deluxe. Or Savage Worlds Deluxe. Yeah that's a good example. You you read it. And you sort of understand it. And then you're like. Oh, I have to see this in action first. But. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: I'll, I'll give you that totally. I mean, Lamentations, it did take me one session to get used to a little bit. But yeah, you, you most things you have to see in action first. But I, I will say Lamentations is a game that as soon as you read it, you do start to get it. Yeah. Um, And it, it's, it's great like that. It's written so well and fantastic. It
3: is one of the best written RPG books I've, I've seen for a while. And I
0: one of
2: the best presented too. The artwork is utterly incredible. It's
0: so good. It's so good. I mean, it is one of the best... Like, in terms of art and layout and everything that I've seen. And you know what the cool thing about this is? Is that the book, if you want it without the artwork, it's all free online. You can oh, get the whole thing artwork free online. So if you ever forget your book...
2: That's absolutely amazing. I
1: yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. And that's no. uh, uh, another amazing thing yep. sort of, uh, you know, the type of company that we enjoy. But honestly... Yeah, well, the- you
0: know what? I, I, I got this for you guys for Christmas, and I, I should... Have just downloaded the three D free PDF and got you that. <laughs> would have saved me a lot of money. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Just man. Kind
0: of like, look, you ain't got the artwork, but I tell you what, the price was good.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for this uh, print off. No, I wouldn't have printed it. Oh, no, you, you would have just sent us the link. Email. Yeah, yeah, Email. Sweet. <laughs> Email with the link,
1: man. Are you trying to be pinnacle? <laughs> <laughs> kissing goblins
0: let's talk about um the adventures that we did because i think uh, boy it's it's kind of demonstrates how the how well the game uh, plays and how 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 much fun we we had with it because yeah we started off uh nick Nick, nicky's busy over the christmas period man he got the old ball and chain on him you know what i mean you know, Christmas week and it Christmas week in it. You Christmas know. two weeks more like. <laughs> yeah, Nick Shot. Nice one, Pete. Nice one. <laughs> <Blank, blank>. tas <But laughs> <laughs> tas So that means Nick he ain't coming out, right? And and as a result, I stepped in, did the uh, did run Lamentations for us and we did um first event we played was Lamentations of the Gingerbread Pin- Princess. Bloody hell that's a mouthful. And um, this adventure basically is all about this guy, German uh, king guy, called uh, King Connolly. And he, he sent all these hobbits away, and he's like a racist. And he sent them out of his village because he's, he, he literally says something along the lines of, I don't like their little faces. Like, he's, he's that level of stupid racist, right?
1: That's <laughs> terrible, isn't it?
0: I know. And he sends them out through the woods, and uh, it turns out, while they're in the woods, um, one of the little hobbit girls stumbles acro- across this, like, wishing font thing. And wishes that all of her village will be okay for as long as she lives. That's that's what she says. Uh, happy as long as she lives. And, um, yeah. So then, this big um, gingerbread princess village comes into existence. And all of them are forced to be happy. Um, otherwise, they, they die. This was
2: utterly creepy, to uh, be not, fair.
1: And not just die. Alive, not just dead, drop dead. No. They get they get mutilized and this absolutely brutalized and mutilised. It's it's nasty some stuff that It
3: happens. was really gruesome. Really gruesome. There, there was one particular bit that was that was like really sent sent shivers down my spine. Uh Harrison, the three four on the spike.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So so there's all these <laughs> little cupids falling around uh, flying around, right? And uh, there's this one guy that breaks down in tears in front of all of the hobbits and in front of the party. Because he's like, oh god, thank god you've turned up, please save us and all of this. And these little Cupid things flying around realise that, that this guy's broken down in tears and it's mandatory to, mandatory to be happy in this village. And so they pick him up, fly him over this big candy cane that's in the middle of the village, unscrew the top. And uh, it reveals a spike, and they drop him onto it, and then they use his entrails like a maypole, and get all of the other hobbits to dance oh, around was... using it like a, like a big dancing maypole thing.
2: That was utterly disgusting, but the way you described it was truly glorious.
0: Yeah, and then all of the uh, all of the party are forced to watch, and they're forced to smile as they watch, and it was like genuinely like
1: some great role playing from these three. And this goes to show sort of the level of uh, maturity in the way it's written, because. It's like, that was like crazy fucked up, but it was done in such a way that it just, you know, it was just like a crazy ass thriller at that moment where it just really took us by surprise. Just like, oh my God, this place is, isn't like, everyone's happy, but no, they're getting like murdered to shit.
0: Yeah, because that scene could have been written by any other company and it could have been done with no, um, no sense, I don't know how to put this really, but no sense of like, like decorum. decorum or tact. Yeah, that's it. And uh, in the end, what, what happened was is that there was this looming sense of dread because do you remember as you went in, you were just like, this place seems pretty good. And then it's like this slow sense of dread because what happened was, is like, first of all, you found a body. Then as you drew, uh, ventured further in, you noticed that all of the hobbits had like arched backs and uh, that they were being forced to carry these heavy presents and then they all had these like painfully wide smiles nice. on their aching faces and all of this. And it was like... Every single thing, it just got worse and worse until there's this big apex where you saw the Maypole, and it was like so carefully well considered and delivered that that another like if this was written by another company, it wouldn't have been done so well. And it was so maturely done, despite the fact you're in a village populated by teddy bears and Cupids,
2: and it was like well, good. It was like a candy cane forest, and all all like sweet related like products have made up the world. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was crazy
0: because it was like yeah i wanted to run that because it was christmas and i was like it seems like
2: christmasy themed well yeah gingerbread at christmas (laughs)
1: candy canes yeah there
0: you go yeah so the guys um what they did is they um to cut a long story short they they went into this tower in the middle of the uh, uh the village found the girl after bursting into various different rooms. But all they did was burst into the rooms in the tower, sort of noped out, and then and then found the room with the girl in it and decided to do a mercy killing because they saw that she was in a lot of pain, been tied to a bed, all of this stuff.
1: Yeah, but we didn't even realise it was her at the time.
0: No, they just thought it was a girl that was in pain. And as a result, they, they didn't know it was the one that had actually
2: done the wish. Yeah, and so they- we managed to complete this adventure by complete <laughs> mistake, basically. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was awesome. And uh, yeah, they uh, stabbed her or something like this, killing her. Well, it was, and, and yeah,
2: it was a mercy kill.
0: Yeah, mercy killing. A pillar over the face. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And uh, they saw the uh, village dissipate around them. Then they decided to go with all the hobbits and start a new life because they all said, no, we're, we'll never go back to the town again. And the whole point of the adventure was to go and retrieve the hobbits and bring them back to King Connolly because the king sort of, uh, hit the trade, the farming trade had really gone downhill since all the hobbits had left. And all the hobbits were like, no, we're never doing that.
1: Yeah, because he's a big old racist, and they've just been under that torture. Why would they knowingly move back to a slightly like less torture?
0: Yeah, and so Sean's character, Simon, was just basically like, yeah, fair enough, that's a good point. I'm yeah. coming with you guys.
2: Yeah, we, um, my character and Sean's character, we both um, decided that we were actually going to follow on with them and create a new village.
1: Oh, yeah, I was meant to join as well, but then I wasn't here for session two. <laughs> yeah, so... So um uh,
0: next 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 session Simon and Bill decided they were going to set up a instead of to keep the king happy they were going to set up a trade deal with uh with with Schlossin which was the town um and and this was where the game just became a complete sandbox they decided they were going to get a, set up a trade deal um and to get this get kind of like a, a it was like a bunch of chervil that the hobbits were farming set up a trade deal with the town and then that way they could have a, a wealth of incoming income coming in and also have uh, keep the king happy, right? And then it turns out that while the Waldemar mayor of the Hobbit Town, the new, new Hobbit Town that they'd just started up, had been gathering up the magic items that they'd found in, uh, in this gingerbread place, one of them had gone missing. And it turns out the two twins from the village had also just uh, gone on a killing spree, getting revenge, basically, on all the racist people in the town, city they used to live in.
2: Basically running through there, obliterating them with a magical staff that basically turned them into dust. Because they took the mayor's words quite literally when he said, I- I'm going to bloody kill that, that fucking
3: King Lee and stuff like that. And then.
0: Yeah, exactly. He took it too literally. and he- yeah. it-, it was really funny because, yeah, they were... And so we did this big fight in the middle of... It- because what happened was the old city like this whole thing with the hobbit going on like a, a, on a murdering spree with a magical item this could have threatened your trade deal which was worth a lot of money and that's
2: what they were saying as they were killing people it was like fuck
0: the trade deal <laughs> yeah they were going mental yeah, we had this was it? big city map that I bought out and there was a huge fight you guys had to fight some yeah. guards because they tried to reprimand you and Sean used one of his magical items <sighs> to fly over the city get the location of yeah, them
2: yeah that magical tutu
0: yeah because they were all based on what things that were found from the gingerbread village. And then, um, yeah, it was crazy because the, uh, the kids were just turning people into dust. And Sean did an epic manoeuvre where he tried to land on two of the, the, the two, two twins, missed. But then he just sort of kicked the staff out of their hands that was so yeah, good.
3: Yeah, kicked kick the staff out of hands, but then they went to pick it back up. And then I and then I grabbed it out of his hands again and then zapped him and one of them and turned him into gingerbread. Had to be done. Had to be done I, like
0: yeah. Yeah, so you do, you killed a child in the in, in the middle of the square and this is right, it was, <laughs> yeah, right when you put it that way. Yeah. But but <laughs> it was it was for the good of the city and I think it proved oh, yeah. basically that you were on their side after all. Or at least yeah. you weren't biased. And the king comes out with oh. a retinue of guards. Oh, just it's like, ridiculous. Yeah. And then he was like, so, um,. About the trade deal, like just after seeing do yeah, like, this he, huge fight.
2: Yeah, because he knew about the trade deal because every every one of the villagers are now talk like rumouring about this apparent trade deal with a Hobbit village. That's, yeah. That was
3: actually the hardest part trying to convince the t- the king to take this trade deal. Good God! A- and also to try and get a perfect balance for, for that's good for the hobbits and the king. Uh, the hobbits had already demanded their price, and uh, we. Basically, took that to the king, and we had to throw in a few more things like free passage for the hobbits uh, into the city so they could work there some road built between the two places stuff yeah. like that but yeah. the hobbit
2: village actually wanted to um schlossen to create the the road themselves but we had to sort of back down and say do half each as part of the negotiation yeah even that was really hard um, trying to convince the king to build half a road
0: the negotiation what it ended up was was the role for how much you were going to get for the investment all hinged on how well the negotiation went see yeah. in the game right you have three types of investment and i think it's stable risky and wild right yeah and with the, when it came to the end of it there was loads of negotiation going on charisma rolls, left right and center you guys doing just like long stretches of talking to each other him demanding stuff and obviously the fact that two of your people have gone on a killing spree and uh, and there were something like five guards ended up dead and all of this stuff that didn't help right and so this this negotiation was really hard and then right at the end of it i said right do your final pitch and which one you're going to go for you're going stable risky or wild bear in mind wild's going to earn you more money but it's not going to look as good do you know what i mean and things like this
2: so we opted for the risky one because we wanted the hobbits to actually have free passage into schlossen which with a racist king is quite difficult
0: yeah, and that made sense. And then, you, yeah, you guys did like a final pitch and sort yeah. of stood up at the table in, in, in his castle. and It was like such an epic speech. And, yeah, then we rolled for it. And it turns out you guys uh, started getting 4,000 silver pieces a month from this trade deal. Um, and it was fucking cool. And this is where it comes in. Now, on the back of your sheet, you wrote on there that you've got this deal going on. You write write the type of deal, what it is, and how much money you got coming in each month. So, yeah, you got the first lot of money from that, and Sean was now a, a sort of, uh, well, his character, Simon, was uh, like a moneyed person. So was your character, Bill. Peter, yeah, but,
2: but he- the thing about that was I actually had had to have a tracking device put on me to basically, if anything went awry, he would be able to find me at any point and kill me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he wasn't that trustworthy of you. No, it was a bit weird considering I led
2: quite a lot of the negotiations.
0: Yeah, well, it, the thing is is that there was a lot of reasons for him to distrust you at this point, but I think it went I think that you got the, the best deal you could and that was a lot of money. Um and it led directly into the next adventure because you guys were now big players in this town. You were pretty much the only non-processed food that that town eats now. And, um, it was funny because, yeah, they've been, they've been surviving basically because their farmlands went to shit after the Hobbits left. They've been surviving on fucking pickles, pr- uh, cured meats and chocolate for basically, I don't know, months like at this point, right? Uh, the very next session, this, uh, you guys are sort of standing around, um, Sh- uh, Sean's character Simone had hired these two new guards to help him guard, guard the place, um, and uh, this was where James's new character and Ryan's new character came in. Um, it was a slug man and a barbarian, right? Yeah. And they were hanging out. They were guarding the place, and suddenly they get attacked by pygmies and this woman with with a gun. Um, and she's like, "I'm going to kill you, motherfuckers! You mustling and on my territory all of this." And it turns out she owns this chocolate factory that they'd heard about before, and it's this woman called Lucia de Castillo, and she's like this. Uh, um, like really massive baron in, in the town who's been making this chocolate really addictive chocolate for years. And when I say massive, I mean that both literally and in a metaphorical sense because she, she owns a large company and was a big lady.
3: And her factory is this probably the size of the Hobbit town that we we live in,
0: yeah. yeah it was gigantic, and uh, yeah, they essentially I'll I'll cut the, keep this story kind of short, but there was a lot of funny, funny things that happened. But what they did is they went to town. Uh, hired another guy to help them. Then they they decided to hatch a plan where they put a big barrel of gunpowder on the back of a wagon, drove it into the factory and blew up the front of it. Then they realised how big the place was and then uh, went back into town, bought a few more barrels of gunpowder, um, loaded them up, but this time fired them out of a cannon and were launching volleys of of gunpowder-filled barrels into the fucking factory, exploding it left, right and the centre and it all went to shit when there was a crit fail on a barrel and it got stuck in in the artillery that they had and exploded on all of them. Most of them managed to dive out of the way only taking minimal damage but two characters went down. Simon was the only one left and because the artillery was fucked he tried to run in holding a barrel and he was just going to try and throw it into the factory. (laughs) He managed to explode part of uh,
3: the. Actually, I wasn't going to throw it in. I was going to hold it and then fly in using my flying tutu. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that oh, is. that's amazing.
0: Yeah, then he got taken out.
1: And, and then I came in with, and then I managed to. I um, got, got a, a crit and managed to lob a barrel in. Um,
3: oh, you did, yeah. And
1: and like managed to blow up a, like a another section of it, which actually. Um, Revealed the
0: lady. Yeah, you blew up the tower where she was. Oh and man, she, she fell down. She was like encased, uh, encased in rubble. Got up. There was a big shootout. Like she was shooting her pistol, like loads of muskets, dropping them on the floor. Cause she had like a bandolier of pistols on but the fight ended with everyone dying including her it was like the end of a Tarantino movie everyone was just fucking firing at each other it Brilliant. was madness the only one that survived was was Ganglion
1: who was the person they hired from yeah. the adventurers who <laughs> was the last hired person but <laughs> and, like, he was the NPC I hell!
3: how can a hired goon make it all the way through uh, also your character Peter because he had to go to hospital because of getting kicked in the head by guards in the last game oh yeah that was
2: crazy so he survived by virtue of not being there and was in hospital <laughs> recovering I mean <laughs> (laughs)
0: It was mainly because I
2: couldn't make that session, unfortunately, so we retired the character.
0: Exactly. And so Bill is currently in the hospital, recovering, but he's got a smooth 4,000 a month still coming in, and that factory is a fucking mess. Like, it is... It was fucked up, Pete. It was it was literally a terrorist attack, and th- and they were they were fucking blowing it up like crazy. But some amazing planning and role play from these guys. It was I th- ridiculous. I
3: thought one of the the funniest bits because uh, uh, it was uh, James. Uh, was it your character that saw a cat? Yeah, and then you started talking to the mayor of the Hobbit Town about cats
1: <laughs> what? And, um,
3: I kept trying to cut in Ark all the time um, trying to put break it to him gently and then I was like we're terrorists we're wanted terrorists <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. it was really funny and then Graves uh, Graves, the mayor of the Hobbit Town was trying to banish him and he was just like right well if you're wanted terrorists we can't have you know, around here no more alright so uh Right, the, the, uh, the trade deal's off, you're no longer a part of it, you're not getting the 4000 a month. And then someone's like, well, um, technically that Bill of Rights is in my name, so I'll still be getting that money. And he's like, right, well, maybe we can think of another solution then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It, it was so fucking
0: funny. And then um, there was an amazing part. After they did the first attack, where they only blew up the front and realised how big it was... They, they tried to escape, right? But they didn't want to go all the way back to the Hobbit village because it was like 12, 12 hours out of the town. So what they did is they went to like an expensive hotel and went in there. And we're like, oh, yeah, what? we're, g- we're going to go and eat some, eat some dinner before we go to our hotel room. And they're, they're in this really posh like diner. And, of course, as they're sitting there, the concierge of the hotel, they see them just talking to two guards with wheel-lock muskets and heavy armour. And they just look over and someone has got his back facing to him. And the two goons played by uh, James and uh, Ryan literally were just like, uh, um, and they just fucking put, like, put all their food over Simone's face and were like, right, let's go to the t- loo and clean up. And as they get there, like, yeah, there are two guards in the uh, lobby looking for us. And then they had to escape out the toilets. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it was like... So the place you tried to escape from was the very city that you all wanted terrorists in.
2: Yeah. Oh, fucking hell.
1: That's no, because we knew that if we went into this establishment, because we wanted to get a slightly more upper-class and expensive version, is that um, you could tell, and this is also another sort of uh, cool thing about Lamentations, is that um, they have different, obviously, tier levels of places you can eat and stay at. And we knew that um, if you go for a slightly more expensive one, they're more likely to uh, keep your uh, anonymity
0: no that was a very very good good idea because if you if you go to a cheap inn and somebody gives them a bribe and says have you seen these people they're more likely to take it and that was very good thinking the only thing is, is I was rolling behind the screen and this guy took the bribe almost straight away <laughs> <laughs> he, did t- he took a couple of convincings but then he was just like oh fine I'll take it and they had a big I did, sa- yeah, I did, say, did say to these say guys did say big sack of cash yeah yeah and he the, the two guys handed him a big sack of cash and then he pointed over to their table And when they tried to escape through the toilets, um, Ryan's character poured a big bucket of soapy water over the floor. Oh, nice. The two guards were slipping all over the fucking place. But, God, it was so good. It was some of the best... I mean, it was only three sessions, but it was so fucking fun. And you know the funny thing about that adventure with the chocolatier woman? Is that that adventure is called Blood and the Chocolate, right? And it's all about Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory Right And you You can either frame it as You have to go in and kill the woman Or You have to go in and steal the recipe Or whatever But it's a, it's actually Like kind of a dungeon crawl With all these rooms yeah. And oh, stuff Oh wow uh, But you guys just played it So differently We just You were just like Let's
1: yeah, we blow went, the fucking place up Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we
3: yeah. probably went gorilla style Whereas James You played this before And you actually went through Didn't you like, Yeah so through.
1: Me and Matt Stark Played it for Me and Harrison At uh, Con on the Cobb Mm. and so we played yeah a different version of it and also with with frog dick's twist on it so it was they were completely separate there was only one moment when i got excited because i realized what it was but it was so different there was like only like the tiniest bit of similarities which was one of the blueberry blow darts when when ryan's character started turning blue for the first time then i was like oh and then and harrison's about to say okay he starts swelling up and then i just whispered to ryan just went blueberry and everything was like, uh, and everything tastes like blueberry. And I was yeah, like, yeah. And you got
0: the first stage of the disease, but then you went to a doctor to get it cured and had to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Oh. But, um, but the, yeah, so they're Oompa in this. Instead of being Oompa Loompas, they're... They're like uh, coffee bean... Um, they've got coffee bean heads. No, yeah. no, cocoa bean heads. <laughs> Coats, what? That's, sorry. And they fire blow diets, and those blow diets, yeah, it can infect you with, uh, like sort of like Willy Wonka style diseases Um, so Ryan got infected with his blueberry disease and the stage one of it was just that he started his eyes started bleeding and and then his (laughs) he started puking up uh, like blueberry juice yeah but stage two was that he was going to start bloating up to a huge size and and look like a blueberry well and then like
2: turn blue and all that like it it was in the film
0: exactly yeah, that happened to me when I played it. But yeah, it That's was amazing. It was so different. It couldn't have been more different to the last time we played it. And I was gonna change stuff so you wouldn't recognise it anyway, James. But yeah, it was just so funny because you were
1: just like, it was blow up. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. It was so fun and um it was cool because I was in session one and three. We only got to session three, um, you know, I still had my character sheet from one, but I was just like, it's pointless because the amount of ground we covered in each separate session, right, it was kind of like I couldn't bring in my character from the beginning because it doesn't make sense that he was he had missed so much of what uh, Pete and Sean had done since. I was just like, I'll be a new guy. And it was just so much more fun to play.
0: I think that's fair. And also, yeah. I like the fact that Sean's character had become sort of a player in the city at this point. I mean, you wouldn't usually have investments that large at um, level three, but the point is, is that Sean's character um, had saved an entire village of people, and so Bill. So the point is, is that both of them they were players in somebody else's investment deal. And so it kind of made sense. You were playing with somebody else's money and then and then you'd got a yeah. cut of it.
2: We were literally just the middlemen in the negotiations because neither party actually wanted to talk to each other, really.
0: Yeah, and the Hobbits didn't want to go through the woods because they thought they would die. So they sent you two who were more hardy and steely yeah, um, I also um, sort of liked the fact that what well, in in the third episode, Sean's character become such a player in in the city that he, he the new characters being introduced all made sense because he started hiring people to protect himself. Yeah, yeah, I
3: did. Yeah, and um, the two of uh, James's character and Ryan's character, I really took a liking to them, and. Uh, uh, at one part where we were in the hotel and we were going to get the food, I was telling them uh, the food we were having was a made-up German dish called Gluckenschlaben mm. and uh, I was uh, I was talking to them about about it, and I was like, uh, you can't have a good Gluckenschlaben without sausages and onions. And then the <laughs> the uh, the hotel receptionist is like, yeah, what are you telling me
0: for? I <laughs> t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I liked it when um, I was uh, as a DM because Glühkohlshlabben was obviously made up. I was trying to describe it, right? And I was like, yeah, he puts a, a plate of like <laughs> steaming hot shrub on the table and it has that that signature colour that it always has. And <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> really good. It's, it, it's got that really distinctive earthy smell. And it was just like, yeah, but you don't know what it is. What? It's like to this day we don't know what it is. But it was Brilliant. just completely made up. Every Roll dice. I get this feeling, every Have full sexual intercourse. I sleep- Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I- Do a butt sex. So yeah, in summary, you guys, you guys enjoyed
2: the game. It was amazing. It's one of those systems that leans very heavily on role playing, but that's what I really like.
3: Uh, I'd also say that. As well as relying on role playing, it still has that nice crunch, and it's a very good D20 system. But yeah, yeah, with a few very nice streamlines like the encumbrance, and like I said before.
1: See, that's why I voted for it on our on our awards for the best system because, although you know, like there's so many good ones out there, we didn't want to vote any from last year and that. So, and then I remembered how great that was from Conan and Cob, and I was just like, that definitely, and just so happens that you know since we've now played a few of it and and harrison's gm'd it and got us all for gifts it, it really is awesome because we've got to to play more of the system than we had beforehand mm.
0: yeah and i i think that i i agree with sean and, and and peter on this as well is that like it's it's the perfect balance between role playing crunchiness for me in a d20 system and it's got Everything that I want from a fantasy role-playing game, where it's got systems, it's got a really good, it, it, like just about meaty enough XP system that's really easy to get your head around as well. Yeah. Where you can, where like it's the whole monsters and treasure thing, but it's it's done in a spectacularly easy way to yeah. to understand. The encumbrance thing is great. Battles are, are so simple and easy, and can be as cinematic or as crunchy as you want them to yep. be. And it's also one of those systems where it's rulings, not rules, as well. So of it's, course, it's great. And uh, yeah, I I can't recommend it highly yeah. enough.
2: I think the property management and investment system is a real game changer, and it will change your entire campaign. I think exactly because it gives characters something to do with money. Yeah, how many times have you
0: got to like late game campaigns? Especially you remember in Pathfinder when we played that. Like how long when we got to like, level nine and level ten. And you guys had so much cash, right? But then you go, right, you've got loads of cash. Let's see what you want to buy. You go into a shop, and obviously most shops don't sell magical items because if they did, they they wouldn't own a shop anymore. They'd just be like, all right, I'm retiring. I've got this yeah. thing. I'm going to sell that. But the thing is, it's like you go into a shop and you just go, I don't really need any more pairs of manacles or sacks or...
3: If you've ever played GTA 3, it's kind of like that. You, de- yeah, you am- amass, amass a lot of money in a couple of missions and then you just have that money. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, GTA yeah, yeah. 3 That's was really like. bad
0: for that. But then this is more like Vice City, where that money starts having a point and it's like, it's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, it's, exactly, it's, yeah. yeah. cool I mean. thing is you've got all those like different types of employees that you can have and how, yeah. many, how much wages they need and stuff like that. And it sounds like it's really crunchy, but it ain't. It's just so simple.
2: Yeah, when we were going through the negotiations, it was one of the most simplistic things I'd ever been through, and it sounds so incredibly complicated, but it's not.
0: It's just, it's simple, and it, it was, was tense only re- as well.
2: It was, only, it was only really complicated, yeah,
3: because of the, the tenseness of the situation, and us trying to convince this angry king. Oh, yeah, speaking of angry kings, plot twist, the king wasn't actually that racist. Oh, yeah, it
0: turns what? out...
2: <laughs> oh, what? So, this oh, yeah. is news
0: to me. Oh, yeah, Pete, you didn't know this. It turns out that the pot a big part of the reason that that um, he sent the hobbits out was because he was paid off by Lucia de Castillo uh, the, That makes sense. The cho-
2: oh.
1: yeah, the
0: chocolatier. She, so she um, she paid him a massive lump sum of money to kick oh, them for out. Her trade. Yeah, so that she would tur- all the people of the city would turn to processed foods. Oh
2: yeah, makes complete okay, sense. That's pretty really cool
1: good. though. That is pretty awesome. I really like that.
3: over the three. It was like a nice little arc three. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was Brilliant.
1: good, man. Except for everyone
0: dying at the end, but yeah. So uh, everyone, check out Lamentations of the Flame Princess and uh, the the adventures. The one um, f- final thing I will say before I um, before we sign off is uh, that the adventures and the supplements are all fucking amazing because they they do this thing where most you can get a lot of straightforward adventures, but all of the supplements they're kind of unique in some way as well. So. Blood and the Chocolate is is, is kind of a straightforward dungeon crawl as well, but similarly to the um, uh, main book, all of the useful information that you're going to need to reference a lot throughout the adventure is right on the front pages. So you've got like the dungeon map on the front with a quick reference to every single room and what's in it, and on the back you've got all the NPCs and monsters um, and their stats and random tables all in the back cover, so all of that's there. And then you've got things like... I've got one called The Seclusium of Orphan in Three Visions, I believe it's called. And it's literally a entire book dedicated to uh, Wizard Towers. And it's got three... Um, adventures in there which are all different every single time you play it as well which is oh, fucking wicked. cool and then it's got a whole segment for uh, generating your own wizard towers which is fucking amazing wow Um, yeah and then there's some that are just whole setting books and then there are some that are straightforward um, setting books but with a fuck load of adventures in them there are some that are just supplements that give you more spells it's like all of them are completely unique and worth owning and they, they really knock it out of the park yeah. so yeah
2: and just before you close off, um, where is is this easy to find? Is it, avail- like, it readily available, readily available on Amazon? <laughs> yeah, get it all on Amazon. Perfect. Mate. Nice and easy then.
3: If, if free and available from your um, closest Amazon stockist.
0: Well, we also <laughs> do, we also mentioned at the beginning you can get a free one, right? Yes. So if you're looking for a gift to give somebody for their birthday or Christmas, send them a link and an email.
3: No, but but one thing about this, uh, speaking of money, uh, that's another good thing about this, the
0: price. Yeah, it's cheap, man. Cheap. really cheap 15 like. quid but that reveals how much I spent on all of you for Christmas so uh gutted that's oh. why I didn't actually ask that
3: and also <laughs>
0: also not only that though uh, the, all we've th- really got to stop saying not only that and then to keep on dragging out this podcast this better be the last thing not only that but all the books are the same size that does that is good To be that fair. is good
1: not only that but this is the end of the show yeah there's so many things we've though. got to go so with
0: many with, we've got to go I know, I know that's why <laughs> I think we're a bit enamoured with this game it's so good
1: It <laughs> Do 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 Ooh, it, do 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 do